Down at Third Man, the cricket podcast. Talking all things cricket, from club cricket to million pound franchises to the Test Match Arena. Proudly supported by Woodstock Cricket. Good evening and welcome to Down at Third Man podcast. We're back. The T20 World Cup isn't quite at the stage of the knockouts yet. There is one more day and one more game, but it's a pointless game. So we thought we may as well jump on now, discuss what's happened, look ahead to the knockouts um, and get you ready for what is the week ahead. Tonight I'm joined by Sai again. Sai's been with us quite a bit for the T20 World Cup. How are we, Sai? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. The cough's still slowly dying off, so apologies now to anyone who's going to complain about me coughing, but yeah, I'm still going to cough occasionally. And making his welcome return after a busy week or two, doing refereeing, teaching, going weddings, being the chairman, just doing everything, aren't you, really, mate? We have got Jono back. How are we, Jono? Yeah, cheers, mate. Master of <laughs> fucking nothing. Jack of all trades, master of nothing. Mate, it's impressive how many trades you've got. I think you're possibly setting a record for a 26-year-old from Stoke for number of roles carried at the same time. I'm no good at any of them, that's the problem. <laughs> I've heard you're a brilliant chairman, mate. Well, at least that's what I've been told. I've got to keep telling you now I'm part of the same club as you. Just say yes. That's the key, mate. Just say yes. <laughs> something. Just, say, Just yes. say yes. Exactly, mate. They can't moan then. They can't moan then. Correct. <laughs> Um, as always, big shout out to Woodstock, our supporters. Um, they've got plenty of gear still on sale online. Uh, more and more stuff due to come out over Christmas. And they've got their own sort of podcast back, the Slogging It podcast. It um, was back as of last week and back throughout the winter. So go and give that a listen. Uh, we're still supporting Cardiac Risk and the Youngs. We raised over 50 quid um, through ordering our boblats. Anyone who's ordered them, they'll be with you hopefully in the next few weeks. Ready in time for Christmas and no doubt the snow and shit that will come with alongside it. Um, if you want to keep supporting Cardiac Risk and the Young, though, get on our fundraiser. We've still got a few bat stickers left. And if enough people start donating, I'll order yet some more uh, bat stickers ready for next season. So <coughs> donate if you can and support a great cause. Right then, boys. Well, I think what we all wanted to happen happened. But we'll get on. To, we'll we'll look at Group Two second. First of all, Group One. Obviously, England have qualified as the winners of the group, um, but that was despite losing yesterday to South Africa. <coughs> South Africa a little bit unlucky, really. Um, in the end, they end up missing out despite only losing one of their five games. They lose out due to net run rate. They don't qualify. I'd say it's a shame because actually I think they're a better team um, that, than Australia who have qualified. But obviously, at the end of the day, net run rate's what matters. And the Aussies got through on net run rate. Um, there wasn't to be any any shocks yesterday. Yesterday in that match, they beat the West Indies comfortably. I hate to say, but David Warner did a good job. Um, the Windies continue to still be the sort of banter team of the World Cup, despite having a reasonable innings. Um, Chris Gale bowling in shades and a cap and then hugging Marsh as he got him out was um, enjoyable to see, I guess. Uh, but what first of all, before we get on to the England game, what what do we make of Australia qualifying in second? And do you feel sorry for South Africa, who obviously missed out? 
Uh, I'll let John have a little chat about it, since he hasn't told us any what he thinks of anything in the World Cup so far. Yeah, fucking disgusting, basically. Um, Australians should not be allowed to get through to semi-finals and finals uh, of major competitions anymore. They had their fun in the 80s and 90s, nearly 2000s. <laughs> um, and they've actually, well, I don't know if you can even say it, can you? The better team's finished third. But I do believe that the better team has finished third. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Table doesn't lie. Six games, five games, whatever it is, doesn't lie. Um, I've been a lot more impressed with South Africa than I've been Australia, but they've done enough. And that's what matters, doesn't it? So, good, yeah, race, good luck to them, but not too much. <laughs> si, what did you make of, of sort of Australia qualifying? Um, obviously, South Africa just missing out. And also, I guess, the West Indies, who for many people were probably the third or fourth favourites. They weren't even really, well, they weren't done with a shout going into the last game. And I think it's fair to say it's an, the end of an era. Yeah, I think um, the big difference was the fact that when Australia and South Africa both played against Bangladesh, they both rolled them out for around 70, 80-ish, whereas Australia then went and knocked it off in six, seven overs, and it took South Africa about 13, 14 overs to to knock it off. And obviously at the time, they probably didn't think that that would make much difference, but it, it has been the difference. I think over the course of the five games, South Africa have probably played better cricket than Australia. Um, they, they, they've only lost one um, and it was a very, very tight game against Australia. Um, obviously beat, beat the group winners, England. So yeah, they can count themselves a little bit unfortunate not to be through to the next um, the next phase. Australia do worry me a little bit. I think they are now starting to hit form at the right stage of the competition, whereas England maybe were better in the first two or three group games and are just tailing off a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's it's, it's a very even semi-final. I think England had the edge, but miss, missing Roy um, is probably evened up a little bit. Yeah, I think England have, have suffered from injuries. Australian, I can't decide if players are finding form or if it's still just a case of getting a little bit lucky that one or two players come off each game. It's, I think that's the thing with them. They aren't, they aren't particularly a great 11, but they've got a great five or six. And if they keep coming off two of them a game... They're always going to be in the games. Obviously, England, as we said, did lose to South Africa. It was by 10 runs. It wasn't exactly a big loss. Um, but South Africa, I guess, sort of exposed what everyone's pre-tournament worry was for England. Uh, one eight nine for 2 Obviously, it was at charge. It was a good pitch, so can't say too much. But Van der Dussen, 94, not out. And Markham, 52, not out. Great efforts. Markham, 208 strike rate. Great, great player. Um, Wokes and Wood make the ones taking the most tap there, followed not too far behind, to be fair, by Jordan and Rashid. Uh, Moe and Ali quite comfortably the most economical. <coughs> and then England, it just didn't quite happen with the bat. Obviously, I'm sure we'll speak about it now, but Jason Roy pulled up injured, looked like a bad calf injury. England half open, he may be fit for later in the tournament, but I think we all know he couldn't even put his weight on it, so that's, that's a no-go. Butler and Moeen got a few runs, as did Milan and Livingston, and even Morgan fifth down the order. But they just couldn't quite get over the line. And then Rabadru, I think, went for was it 45 in his first three overs, then took a hat-trick in the final over to basically win win the game um, and put mean that England couldn't quite chase down what was actually looking still very gettable going into that last over. Um, is there room to be concerned about England now, do we think, Si? 
And I apologise now for the fact Johnny seems to be walking down the M6. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's possibly. It's quieter in the house, mate. You'll be thankful. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, I think the loss of Roy is massive. Um, the fact that they haven't got a like-for-like opener to replace him, they're going to have to completely rejig the batting order. It probably looks like Bear still going open. There is an outside chance that it could be Livingston, but I think they'll go with Bear still opening and they'll probably bring Billings into the middle order, probably to bat six, possibly seven, but probably more likely six. And Billings is a good player, but he's just not of the mould of, of Jason Roy. Roy and Butler just look so settled at the top of the order. And Bairstow's not in the greatest of form at the moment either. So it's it's a little bit concerning. The batting is all of a sudden starting to look a little bit light. But positive is that, that the Morgan looks like he's found a little bit of form at least. So hopefully they'll just about have enough to... To, to get past New Zealand in the semi-final. Jono, you are our pessimist, so uh, I'm interested to see your thoughts on, obviously, Roy missing through injury, and also, obviously, a death bowling. It it looks a little bit, a little <laughs> bit insecure, shall we say, now that Timor Mills is out injured. Right, so my, my pessimistic head always looks at it like this. Um, who would I rather not play? That's kind of like how my mind works, especially in... In tournaments, it does the same with football. Like, who would I want England not to play? And I think, honestly, before the World Cup, I honestly think most countries would have circled England and gone, I do not fancy playing against them um, if in a, a must-win game or in a knockout game. Because ultimately, over the last three, four, five years even, we are the team to beat in my eyes in white ball cricket. However, um, if I was ranking the rest, I'd say on current form... I don't. I wouldn't fancy playing against Pakistan. Say that for free. They've, for me, have been team in the tournament thus far. Um, I wouldn't. I don't fancy New Zealand too much. That's going to be a really big ask. Uh, so they'd probably be second on that list. Um, right now, given the injuries, I'd probably have us third on that list. But to be perfectly honest with you, if I, if I wanted, to, if I had a choice out of the last four, who I'd want to play against, Australia would still be the ones. Um. In fact, I'd go as far to say that I'd rather play Australia in a semi-final than South Africa. Because um, just look at what... Like, I'd, I think I'd much rather have the likes of taking my chance of trying to get Finch early and having like Maxwell and now to form Maxwell, who's just going to try Bickett anyway and, and Co come in in the middle order than Quinton de Kock and Van der Dussen and Markram, Bavuma, Miller. They just seem to keep coming for South Africa, so... I'm not surprised they turned us over yesterday. I think they were, I think they're a dangerous team, and I'm kind of gutted for them that they've not made it into the final four. Um, in terms of England, I just fear that this injury is just a bridge too far now. I fear the death bowling is more of an issue than the batting. I think we've got enough talent there to cover it. Um, like if you just look at yesterday, I genuinely think we were just one person going big off winning that game. Most of the top six got starts. All it was with taking there is a butler to get 50 or 60. But we'll let him off because he's had a, a good tournament. Roy, obviously injury allowing. Stopping in there, getting 40, 50, 60. And then any of the others. Bairstow, if it had chipped in, maybe. Morgan got a bit bigger. Livingston gone a bit bigger. And then we just left with a little bit too much to do, weren't we? So, even with everything that happened... We still only lost by 10. And I think if a couple of other things had gone, 
how away <laughs> could well have escaped with a victory yesterday. I'm more concerned with the bowling now at this point. If you take Stokes' overs of whatever he would have bowled, and the main two for me now are Archer and Mills, because we've just not, for me now, got anything that's different enough to win the game. We've not got anyone who's express. We've not got anyone who's a, what I consider proper death specialist. I know we mentioned Chris Jordan, but I'm a very big Chris Jordan critic myself. I think he's outperformed himself so far this tournament. In fact, Chris Wokes with you, because I think he's probably outperformed himself in 2020 cricket so far this tournament. Surprised Livingston didn't bowl yesterday, I'll be honest. Mm. Um, I'd have rather have seen a couple of overs of him somewhere in the middle than seeing when they really started motoring, then seeing uh, Rasheed come back on and go to the moon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the bowling's more of an issue. I think we're a bowler, maybe too light. Mark Wood, I expected to do a bit more than he did yesterday. Still think he might come good because I thought the UAE was kind of like his kind of part of the world, skiddy, low arm, quick base of the stumps, hit a good length um, on the slower decks. That top of the stumps, just over the stumps, kind of length, and then hit his Yorkers at the death, but um, just didn't quite get it right yesterday. So I fear for us, I really do. Um, and I think if I was one of those other three countries, I'd fancy <coughs> playing England right now because I think he might be a bridge too far. But then again, beware of a wounded lion, as they always say. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm edging towards your pessimistic side. My only hope is, is that maybe. We'd gone through, was it four games without really having any worries at all? And that, if anything, was starting to worry me because at some point, as you said, I, I believe that players like Wokes, Wood and Jordan were, were going to have a bad game or a poor game. And so I, I'm actually almost kind of glad that they've had it already, yeah. hoping that that might be their one bad game. But Absolutely. If you look at the 50 over World Cup, I, like, I think it accentuates this in 50 over in cricket in tournaments as well but you are always someone told me that you are always going to get rolled and get a good dick in at least once in a cricket tournament whether it be 50 overs or 20 overs now yeah. we actually managed to not get completely dicked but we, were, we weren't really let's face it we weren't at the races yesterday we weren't we were never really in the game so to speak um, we got close but we were never really dominating or in the game Look at the 50 over World Cup. We had two, Australia and Sri Lanka. No one expected us to lose those games and we got fucking drubbed. Mm. But very, very rarely in tournaments, football or cricket, do you A, go the entire one unbeaten? Mm. B, um, when you do it, because don't forget, Pakistan unbeaten. <coughs> they're, they're due. New Zealand yeah, haven't been drubbed yet. They could be due. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, we've got stuff. We've, We've got stuff like that to kind of cling on to, I suppose. Um, uh, and I will cling hope, on to it, mate. Yeah, hope we've had our bad day and then kind of like come back from that, I suppose. Yeah, that, that's my, my hope. That's what I'm praying for each night. Um, looking at Group 2, obviously there is a game still left, but as I say, India and Namibia tomorrow is now basically a non-entity after today's games. Uh, Pakistan was a later game against Scotland. They thrashed Scotland. I think Pakistan go through unbeaten, as we've just spoke about. But New Zealand won comfortably. They had two overs to spare. They, only, they were only two down. 
They beat Afghanistan comfortably. And I dare say, yes, it was great batting by Williamson and Conway. Um, and don't get me wrong, Guptill did all right up top, as did Mitchell. But I think it was mainly down to good bowling from the likes of Bolton, Southie. But absolutely superb fielding. It was brilliant fielding. Um, no, no real chances dropped. Some very, very difficult chances taken or runs stopped. So New Zealand go through, and that means that obviously Afghanistan miss out, which is a bit of a shame because they have played pretty well. Um, and everyone loves seeing a clearly overweight wicketkeeper playing in the, the highest level of a sport. Um, and also means that India, pre-tournament favourites, hosts, even though it's not in their country, but still claiming to be hosts, are knocked out. Coley finishes with, I believe that is now no ICC tournament wins as a white ball captain, is it? Or so far, is it? I don't know if he's carrying on with one day, as I can't remember. Um, but he, he leaves the T20 job with, yet again, a poor, what is really a poor, a poor outcome, a poor record. Jono, what what would you be thinking if you, if you were India now? And I guess all, looking at New Zealand, bit of a dark horse in the end yet again. But are we stupid for always calling them dark horses? They seem to always make the knockouts. They always seem to do well. Are they arguably the best best country now across the three formats? Uh, yeah, it's a simple answer. Um, there's no dark horse about it. I didn't expect them probably. I expected them to go through with India, Pakistan, probably the ones that have surprised me more. Um, but yeah, they're the best team in the world across all three formats in my eyes. Um, just a model of how to manage a very small country um, size-wise compared to the big boys. Just a model for everyone to follow, really. Good, consistent cricketers and long may it continue. I think, uh, I think they're your winners, by the way, now, from what I've seen. I just can't, I can't see England just, can't quite see England getting it. I think the winner comes from England, New Zealand, personally. Hmm. Um, that's what I think, and I don't think it'll be us. <laughs> anyway, um, as for the Indians, yeah, well, I've said about them, I think. Oh, I see. It's music to my ears, though, watching them. <laughs> Have you seen all of Indian Twitter having a meltdown in this afternoon? It's been good watching, I'll be honest. It's, it's been, been very, very fun. good viewing. I've enjoyed I enjoyed what you put in earlier, Si, about the, they were sort of like trying to, what was it? So I'm going to have to find it now because it actually proper, proper tickled me. Some of some of what they came out with earlier. Um, it was, what was it, what was it now? So, irrespective of the fact that they haven't qualified, they scored the highest total in the tournament. Rahul made the fastest 50. Um, and they defeated the opposing team in a record six overs. I mean, fantastic. You, you, you've beat a team quicker than any other team like that really makes any fucking difference. England beat Tunisia, was it? 5-0 in the Football World Cup the other year. If that meant we suddenly felt like we should have fucking won it. Uh, I just don't, I, I don't understand it, Si. Please, please explain to me this this logic that because you dicked Scotland in cricket, you, you should go through it, even though you got less points than, than everyone else. I don't quite understand that. It just epitomises Indian Twitter, really, in general. They they just cling on to the, the, the slightest of things. They completely walk past the fact that they lost by 10 wickets to their greatest rivals, Pakistan, in what they claim is their home 
home tournament. They got beaten very comfortably by New Zealand, probably even more of a dicking by New Zealand. And then just because they've managed to beat Afghanistan and Scotland really easily, and they'll probably absolutely batter Namibia tomorrow, they, they, they feel like they've, uh, they, they are the real winners of the World Cup. It's ridiculous, aren't they, really? Absolutely ridiculous fan base. But it's just great. It's just great to see the meltdowns. It's an arrogance that epitomises their leader, and long may that be cast into the realm of a non-entity, and hopefully someone with a bit more common sense and class can lead them in future. Because if that doesn't epitomise the nation, like how he's led that team, I don't know what does. So, the king <laughs> is dead. Long live the king, as they say. Uh, I would. I don't. I'm tempted now to just lead with. Clueless Coley, just to just to see how many bites you can get there, Johnny. I'll be honest. Um, I think most of them have just decided to block us and ignore us by the by the looks of it. They don't seem very very talkative today, anyway. Put it that way. So semi-finals midweek Wednesday, England versus New Zealand is the first one, and then we go on to obviously Pakistan versus Australia. Um, Where are they being played? I was just about looked for you, mate, because I knew that would be your next question. Abu Dhabi for England versus New Zealand. That's and then, an absolute uh, snake pit, isn't it? Yeah, and then Dubai is Pakistan-Australia. So, very simple, looking ahead to the games, what what are we expecting, what are we thinking, um, and I guess, really, what are we predicting in terms of the semi-finals? So... England-New Zealand, really tough one. Um, I think New Zealand, incredibly impressive today, but I do think there's areas that they can be got out. Obviously, the fielding is absolutely outstanding. Uh, Bolt was brilliant with the new ball. Milne was really good. He was a bit shaky at the start of the tournament, but he's looked really good today and, and looked quite good in the last game as well. Um, I think Nisham's overs are one that you can get out at. I think saw Santner and Sodi only bowled four overs between them today. Uh, they were trying to be hidden. So I think there's there's a good eight to ten overs that you can get out there. Southie's good in the power play, but then not so quite as good at the death. So I, I do think there's, there's areas that England can get at them. Um, with the bat, I know they've got the likes of Nisham and um, Phillips down the order that can go a bit bigger. I just feel like they're possibly out of the four teams left the less likely to go really, really big towards the end. I feel like they are the least likely of the four teams to score 200. Um, they've probably got an all-round slightly better bowling attack than England, probably slightly better in the field, but I think England's power is an awful lot better than, than, than New Zealand's. Like Jono said before, I do feel like the winner comes from New Zealand, England. Um, I, I fancy England just to sneak it. Ooh, brave, brave. Just a quick one as well on this question as well. Just like to hear what both of you would actually do in terms of obviously replacing Roy and what your bowling attack would be. Because I've got to say, I'd be, I'd be very tempted to bring to look at bringing in Willie just for a left arm option. I can't lie. Um, but again, depends on the pitch. If the pitch suits pace, you play Wood. But I would be tempted by that left arm option, and obviously deepens the batting that little bit as well. Um, but then looking at batting, Billings has to come in. I don't, I don't think I'd risk Vince and put Vince at the top. So I'd bring Billings in lower down the order. I've wanted Livo a bit higher up anyway. I'd be half tempted to put Livo opening. I, I, I always, I've always enjoyed watching him as an opener in the big bash. I'd be very tempted to do it. 
and keep Bairstow where he is, where he's been working on for the last however many months. But either or, really, for me, it's just where the main question really for me is will the pitch suit bringing in a left arm option or is it the high pace option? What would you be thinking, Si? Um, completely agree with you with the, the likes of the Willie v Wood debate. I'd wait till the day, have a look at the pitch. It would be useful to have Willie in there as a, a left arm option. It, like you say, it does deep in the batting. He, he, he's a big, big hitter. I'd probably push him ahead of Wokes in, in, into eight. Um, I'd be tempted to just open up with, with Bairstow. I feel like Bairstow's not particularly in form anyway, so I wouldn't want to mess Livingston around. He's doing a cracking job in the middle order. And, and it is, it's usually harder to... To, to hit the runs in that middle order. It's usually the easiest place to bat is in, in the first six when you've only got two fielders out. Livingston can clear the ropes. Whether you've got six out, two out, it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, but yeah, I do think it'll be Billings that comes in. It'll probably come in at six or seven, dependent on whether they go with Moeen ahead of him or, or, or not. It'll probably depend on whether they want a left-right-hand combination at the crease at the time. Uh, but yeah, I'd probably bring in Billings to bat six or seven. I'd probably open with Bairstow. But I wouldn't be overly disappointed to see um, Livingston open as well. Yeah, Jono, what what are you predicting for the game, and what would you be doing if you were Silverwood slash Morgan picking this team? Um, I am going best out to open. More experience opening the batting for England, I think it's a bit more natural fit for him, especially opening the batting in one day cricket. So I think that's a that, that's best out up for me. Um, Billings comes in at six, and I would be moving. Um, I'd probably be out just shift, shunting everyone else off one. Um, really, uh, well, we're super flexible in that area anyway. So he bats somewhere between probably five and eight, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I think playing at Abu Dhabi probably suits England more than playing than New Zealand. Um, I would back Moeen Ali and Rashid over Santner and Sodi every day of the week um, and also having Livingston's extra extra over should they want them he's been my surprise with the ball I thought he'd really I thought he was going to we were going to be making up overs there but he's actually proved quite a threat which I think playing at Abu Dhabi plays into our hands because we can essentially ball 12 overs a spin which means to me if we can hide our inadequacies in the uh, team-up department. From what I've seen of Abu Dhabi so far, um, if it plays like the rest of them, it's going to turn right from the start and the pace men want to hit that length that probably doesn't hit the stumps normally, but it's going to be slow, so it probably will hit the stumps there. So I'm thinking Wood would probably be my man um, to stay in and Willie on the back burner. Um, so I'd be open up with Wokes and Wood. Um, as far as the game goes, I think everything plays into England's hand, playing at Abu Dhabi. I think New Zealand have got the all-round better side. Um, I think England back to get a score on the board. Um, and I think New Zealand just had enough to knock it off. England's pace bowling gets exposed a little bit. So I'm going New Zealand a tight finish. Oh, he had to. I knew he would. Um, of course I would. <laughs> so that's the first game. Obviously, second is Pakistan-Australia. I'm going to put it out there. I think Pakistan should win quite comfortably against against Australia. It would take something special from two or three Australian players and it would need probably 
neither Babrazam or Mohamed Rezwan come off, which just seems unlikely. Um, so, who do you think is going to win, obviously, this semi-final? And then, I guess, what does that mean for the final for you? What what are you predicting for the final, Jono? Um, I fancy Pakistan to finally have their calamitous day. It's coming, I'm telling you, it's coming. There's no way they can make it the whole way to the tournament without having one. Um, Australia seemed to run into another slice of luck again. Um, so I reckon Pakistan to have a calamity. Um, a few people to have an off day. Australia sneak through almost by default. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go Australia by five wickets in an upset. Ooh, big, big. Sag, what are you thinking for the semi? Um, I'm going to go with Pakistan to win, but I wouldn't be overly surprised to see Australia win. I felt like Pakistan got away with it a little bit today. I know they're only playing a poor Scotland side. They were at 1.60 for two off 10 overs, and then somehow managed to get up to 190 from some indifferent um, captaincy decisions to bowl certain bowlers in certain places today. Um, so I, I could... I could, could easily see that backfiring. They're relying on scoring an awful lot of runs in that back 10. And if they don't manage it, I could see Australia chasing it down. But I think on paper, as an all-round team, Pakistan's team is an awful lot better than the Australians. Like you alluded to before, the Australians have got five or six players that can turn up and win the game, whereas Pakistan have probably got eight or nine. Um, been really impressed with Pakistan's middle order. They seem to, although the, the openers have scored runs this tournament, it, it seems to be a bit more a runner ball. And it's the like the likes of Hafiz, Malik, and um, Ali that have really, really uh, shone this tournament, scoring really quickly um, right from the off. Um, so yeah, I just about fancy Pakistan to to do it. I think their spinners have been really impressive. Uh, don't turn the ball an awful lot, but they've been dying it into the pitch. Really, really difficult to get away, and I think the Aussies will get frustrated and throw the wicket away. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So obviously, final. Who do we? Who do you think is going to end up as our overall winner? Um, and a little sort of trickier one for you. Who's going to be that main man in that final? I'm going to let you go first, Si. Um, based on the predictions I've already made, I've got a Pakistan-England final. And I think Pakistan might be too strong without the the injuries that England have got at the moment. So I fancy Pakistan just to edge it. I think they'll put a decent total on the board. Not enormous, probably 160, 170. And I think England will just keep, they'll start off well, lose wickets at regular intervals and, and fall just short, a bit like they did against South Africa. So I reckon Pakistan to win the final by 10 to 15 runs. Jono, what are you going for? Obviously, I'm assuming you've got... Then you you've got a, a Oceania final and like, New Zealand versus Australia. I mean, I can just imagine the fucking episode of Great Cricket we'd have fucking listened to after if that happened. I know. Uh, I have indeed, um, and in one of the dampest squib finals in modern. Okay, well, Johnny's just become like a Dalek then. <laughs> New Zealand. Apologies. Oh, Jono, oh, oh, oh. Um, he's back, he's back. Now. Yeah, we got you now. In the room. <laughs> right, so, in a damp squid of a final, um, a Keane William, Keane Williamson masterclass with with bat and in captaincy wins the 2020 World Cup comfortably for New Zealand. I reckon, in the final. I, I can see that, I, I can't deny. I think if, 
I'm still of the belief, whoever, as you say, whoever wins, England, New Zealand goes on to win it. I just can't see Pakistan going the whole tournament without cocking up, as you say. But I also can't see... If, if Australia somehow pull off the, the miracle of beating Pakistan, I just can't see them then pulling off another miracle in the final. So, yeah, I think it'd be a bit of a damp squib because, as you say, I think if that happened, but I think that, that might well be the case. So, we've got a few different winners there who we think is going to win the, the World Cup. One of us will hopefully be right. Watch it be none of us who are right after all that. Um, last thing before we go to that, I just wanted to have a quick quick look at, obviously, everything that's been going on in Yorkshire. It's the biggest story in cricket. Literally headline news and not just the papers, but like BBC Breakfast every single morning, basically, this last week. Um, I believe Yorkshire are now saying they've gone about just releasing the whole report, all the names, warts and all, next week to try and basically get people off the back. New chairman is basically saying, fuck it, that's what we need to do. We should have released it weeks ago. Let's just fucking do it now now and get on with it. Um, obviously, the main... Gary Balance was implicated. He sort of admitted it, said sort of a, a slightly weak sorry. Um, basically, I think, admitting what some people maybe already thought that he just maybe isn't the most tactile or sharpest of tools um, in the shed. Uh, Michael Vaughan, though, denies it, despite several people now saying that he definitely did say th those words. And let's be honest, he's always been... Um, always liked a suspect tweet, shall we say. Um, what what do we make of it all? I mean, I'll be honest, I've spoke to people who've played with Azim Rafiq. They say quite an arrogant, um, cocky not the nicest to get on with, but then I've also spoke to people who've said Michael Vaughan's the biggest prick you'll ever come across, which I can also believe, and that Gary Balance isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, so what what do we make of it all? I'm going to let Jono go first, because I feel like Jono's going to come off a bit of a long run here and just bombard us. Um, I wouldn't quite go as far as coming off a long run just for this one, just because... Um, that probably once in my 20 odd years on planet Earth, I really, really don't know what to make of this. I'm sure you'll be surprised to hear, mate. I am, I am surprised to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll give you what I suspect. So I suspect um, this has been blown up across both sides um, of the battlefield here that perhaps Azim Rafiq is potentially. Um, more at fault than we're potentially letting on and maybe not as much of a victim as originally being painted by himself and others and also potentially that um, on the other side of the fence that things are have been taken well too far so I can see from both sides um, the main one that I'd say is I think it's been handled despicably basically I think that's one thing we can all agree on, is that how this sure. has been handled has yeah. been a complete and utter farce. Um, and had it been handled better, um, I think would have now been, it would have now started to be actioned. And it's not going to get actioned. This is going to rumble on and on and on. Um, had, I, had it been a slightly more profile sport, had this been football, by the way, um, this would be even more world news than it currently is, mm. I think. I think they've got away lightly for the fact that it's just lowly old cricket, the gentleman's game. Not that that makes it right, but I think you know where I'm getting getting at yeah. with that. The, the classism um, of the world, right? Yeah. Um, so, 
I think the biggest thing to come out of this is it's been a completely shambolic PR nightmare from moment one and that Yorkshire County Cricket Club have got blood on their hands, so to speak, um, about the handling of all this. Um, I don't think the ECB are exempt either because I think they should have just pulled rank and got involved from the outset. They've kind of like sat on their hands and just let everyone else kind of like take the blame like... um, the schoolyard bully let someone else um, take the blame for something else and then they might mop up in about six weeks time when all's all sorted out already and they'll just kind of like get on the high horse and, and say that they're sorting out themselves they should have been involved right from the very start um, there's a few people who have been found out it's the 21st century it can't go on it clearly has gone on to some extent I don't quite know to what extent it has gone on I don't think we'll ever know um, and I think everyone's views on that will um, kind of vary. Unless you're actually in that changing room, I don't think we'll ever know truly how bad it was because context is a very important thing. We can't deny that facts, obviously, and that's not what I'm saying, but context is a very, very important thing in this situation in my eyes. We'll never know for sure. I don't think we'll ever know. Um, but the main blame, in my opinion, moving forward lies with Yorkshire County Cricket Club, and I really do question whether they can recover from this politically and from a PR point of view. I think you've, you've pretty much hit the handling of it spot on. Sai, anything to, to add and sort of, well, I, I guess I'm going to put it out there. I don't think, as, as Johnny says, I'm sure that some things that have been said have maybe been took a little bit too, not harshly, but took the wrong way maybe um, by Azeem. I also think that some things said to him and the way that they've been reported back by and dealt with by Yorkshire are disgraceful. It's not banter. Gary Balance can say what he's want. That isn't banter. And there's a big difference between saying what he did and calling someone Zimbo or Zimba or whatever it was, the exact same as someone might call us a Brit or I might call some Aussie lads an out an Aussie. It's, it's, a, it's a, that's a big, big difference. I think that's, that's quite clear. But I also don't think, I, I think that's as much to do with education and sort of the culture around the club, I would say, and the fact that it probably is institutionalised, it's by the sounds of it, Yorkshire. Michael Vaughan, I mean, I just think he's a knob, I can't lie. I wish he hadn't been the 2005 Ashes winning captain because that's still that little bit of you that has to like him because of that, because that was why a lot of us fell in love with cricket, but I think he's just really a bit of a bit of a prick, I think it's fair to say. Um, he denies it. Do I believe him? Not really. There's two or three people saying that he did say it. Do I think he's that stu- he's, he's a bit thick, like Gary Balance? And the case of he might have been a bit naive and following what other people say. No, I don't actually think he's that thick, which is why I've, I'm, I'm more annoyed at him, I guess, than than the others. Uh, what Give us your thoughts, Si. I think the pair of you have absolutely smashed it. Absolutely right. Yeah, everything you've said is spot on. I think Michael Vaughan's just trying to bat it away. He knows that he's got an Ashes series that he wants to cover for for Australian TV at Fox. So he's going to try and deny and deny and deny and get himself another payday. Um, The financial implications for Yorkshire are enormous. The amount of sponsorships that have been dropping out left, right and centre. They've obviously lost all the um, international games, the 100 games. It's... It, it, it's going to really, really hit them in the pocket. It's it, it's a, it's a really sad situation, and it's going to it's going to really finan- it's going to ruin a lot of people, and it's going to financially ruin uh, Yorkshire Cricket Club. I don't see how 
they recover from this. I don't know how if they do completely release the the, the report with all the, the the people involved named in it. Are, are, are they going to find another club? Are they going to have a career in cricket, whether it's in the media coaching or the playing side of things? I very much doubt it. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to end a lot of careers here. Hopefully, one of those will be Michael Vaughan's. <laughs> oh dear, Vaughan, Abby Vaughan, he's never going to come on as a guest, is he? Oh dear, <laughs> sorry, Michael. Um, hey ho. Right then, have either of you got anything to to add on the cricketing front? Um, obviously, there's been a few signings and North staffs, but um, a few pros and stuff. Um. Big congrats to all the award winners last night at the Staffs Cricket Awards. Good to see Wilsh there, but I'm not sure about the Movember attempt, Wilsh, I'll be honest with you, mate. Um, but but good, to see, good to see lots of friendly faces last night, including uh, the, the second best mascary, although he claims he's the best, Jono. Nick was there last night picking up an award from Miri, which was great to see. Um, so big well done to all them. But anyone got anything to add, or is it a case of good night and then drew the rest of your Sunday, gentlemen? Yeah, just I'd just like to say that the best mas- uh, the best mascara is, is clearly um, my nephew Jacob. Um, <laughs> and that, that Nick isn't even the best mascara in his own household. Um and the fact that in fact I find it shambolic that he's gone and picked up an award on behalf of the club and, and posted it himself. Um <laughs> how he's living with the imposter syndrome, I don't know. Um it's not an individual award, and I think he should be ashamed of himself. <laughs> Brilliant. Anything to add, Si? Just congratulations to yourself on uh, oh, your award congrats. last night. Well done. I finished second again, mate. I've, <laughs> yeah. been, I've been invited twice now, and I've finished second both times. Um, so I still can't I can't even win something when it doesn't come down to any cricketing ability, so I'm a bit fucked, mate, I'll be honest. But... <laughs> I tell him, get fucked next time, mate. You're not going. So <laughs> Yeah, to be fair though, mate, I couldn't turn down the three three course meal, mate. That was the only reason I was there. Um, I can't lie. That and I didn't want to upset Jenny more because I think everyone will agree Jenny's a great, great woman who does a lot for local cricket and helps out a lot of us clubs. So it's a great night she helps to put on. So worth going purely for that reason, I would say. Right then, boys, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be the useless one this week because. Um, I've got things to do to tomorrow, but obviously a podcast appointment tomorrow. Uh, Vale of at home Tuesday. I'm busy Wednesday. I'm at a gig watching the Snuts on Thursday. So, and my parents are back for the weekend. So it might be a case of next Sunday or Monday after the World Cup final. So I'm sure you guys will be livid. And I'm sure the many, many listeners will also be livid. But it looks like we're going to have a bit of a week's break until next week. So hopefully we can get everyone on next sort of probably Sunday or Monday. Um, and hear whether we were right or wrong. But a big thanks for joining me, Sai. Cheers, thank you very much. And a big thanks for joining me, Jono. Um, hope you enjoyed your walk, mate, alongside the M6. Thanks, mate. <laughs> uh, a big thanks to everyone who's listened. As always, support us however you can. Support Cardiac Risk and the Young. Go and have a look at our supporters, Woodstock. Have a good week. And hopefully next weekend or next Monday when we, we do join you again, Hopefully we're celebrating an England win. And if not, at least let's hope that it's probably New Zealand because we all secretly love New Zealand. See you in a bit and go well. Looking for a new cricket equipment partner for yourself or your club can sometimes be tricky with so many options to choose from. How do you make the right choice? 
When you want quality, value and service, there really is only one place to start. For more than a decade, Woodstock Cricket have been producing award-winning, high-performance cricket bats from their Shropshire workshop. Matched with their classy soft goods, luggage and accessories, Woodstock Cricket really do tick all the boxes. Get in touch with Woodstock Cricket and find out why many loyal clubs, players and international customers can't be wrong at info at woodstockcricket.co.uk. Down at Third Man, the cricket podcast, proudly supported by Woodstock Cricket.